Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction uh, 669. Science Faction, noise. Because it's 669, I feel like 669, that's like, that involves a third party. That's true. And they're just standing over you. They're leering over you, creepily leering over you. That's the other six. Or it's 12 people doing 69. (laughs) I'm going to take your word on that because I don't know how a calculator or abacus works. Uh, and if you're interested in how either a calculator or an abacus works, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search uh, Robert Timothy on Patreon for an extra episode of Science Faction every single week. And uh, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to and you got some time to uh, get some laughs when you're all alone and nobody can see you, then might I recommend a My Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Awful Neutral. We are a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, and if you're not like too familiar with the rules of Dungeons & Dragons, half the cast still doesn't know the fucking rules, and we're on like 80. And they refuse to. They have, they have refused to. But it's that we're very comedy-focused. Uh, as I've screamed from the top of this, uh, my microphone, my platform microphone, uh, is mm-hmm. that uh, we, are, we are filthy with funny people on Awful Neutral. So come check us out and uh, laugh your ass off. I promise you will laugh way more in this show. You will walk away with less science. True. Yes. Well, I don't want to argue. But let's just say you'll walk around with walk out with less science with Awful Neutral. But uh, you will laugh more. Promises. Yeah, but I mean, again, I'm sure there's somebody who laughs their head off, you know, while they film child pornography. It doesn't mean that it's a valid thing to be doing, right? Like, we should still push back, no matter how much laughter it brings that sick, twisted individual. <laughs> it's insane, because, like, the guys who I think I do that are, like, dead inside. And so, like, what you're picturing is, like, somebody, like, some in- insanely cartoonishly evil person who, who, who does child porn, not because he enjoys it or... Or but just because it is... He, he could just be the editor. Like, he doesn't have to be the producer. He could just be like an, <laughs> uh, somebody who takes joy in horrible things, but he's just editing. And this is similar to what you're talking about with your Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It's a similar, similar. similar moral really. issue. There's overlapping, one might say, moral issues in the two different genres. I, like the people of Israel... I'm going to protest right now. I'm going to be in the streets mm. protesting. Uh, for them, they're, they're protesting against an apartheid government. Me, I'm a, uh, protesting an apartheid podcast. I, well, good. I'm sure you would protest all those anti-child pornography laws. Uh, I, you know, I did the, <laughs> you piece I did the of intros shit. in reverse. I did the, the thing first, but I, of course, should mention that I am your host, comedian archaeologist, Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, the guy who apparently defends child porn in Israel for some reason. I'm still not sure how that happened. Uh, none other than our comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great. And you can refer to Bobby as QAnon Bobby, because every things about child porn now. Bobby's been watching a lot of videos that have really opened his eyes, and the storm is coming. Um, uh, Bobby's on his Q You're drops. the one with the podcast about it. I mean, I don't know why you're blaming me. By the way, I'm also like, I like how in this scenario, like, Awful Neutral is one of the podcasts of the elite. And, yes, uh, and it is. as such, as such, as a liberal elite podcast, we are just filthy with child pornography. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You and the Barbie movie. All right, let's move right on to science 
articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. Mattel had nothing to do with me wanting to fuck Ken or Ryan Gosling. <laughs> as a child or as an adult. Yeah, if you believe that, you don't know how your strings are pulled, good sir. All right, article number one. <laughs> Bobby slowly become Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Bobby, I can get Alex Jones here if you need. Just because you're out here promoting the myth of sexually excitable women doesn't mean that I have to jump on board with you, Damien. Some of us have the strength to stand up to urban legends like women with their own sexual <laughs> desires or impulses, and myself and Mr. Shapiro will fight that good fight. <laughs> Bobby taking a brave stance against uh, pleasuring women. You will be remembered. Not well, but you will be remembered. (laughs) Article number one. COVID brought us a diabetes mystery. A diabetes mystery? Like um, uh, somebody stole the world's biggest bag of dose of insulin or something like it was just these the 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 best diabetic uh thief heat like heat crew heat the movie yes. heat the classic michael mann movie heat like there's a, a a diabetic version of this crew and they've hit the biggest uh, uh insulin uh trucks payload that would be the only movie where it would be accurate to have Tom Sizemore in there as like a high level thief, <laughs> you know, as if he was stealing insulin, then I'll buy it. Otherwise they keep putting him in like war or they kept, I guess he's dead now. They kept putting him in like war movies and like heat and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, he just looks like a middle-aged overweight dad. Like stop making him into a badass. I think, I think like, like he just like he was, uh, because he was a big drug guy behind the scenes. I think he just scared a lot of producers. Uh, They're like, oh man, he must be a tough guy. Let's put him in a lot of tough guy roles. Yeah, I, I have my own theory that it was like the in the 90s, there was just a lot of people snorting lines with Sizemore and like he during those late night things, he's like, you know, I'd be a real good sergeant in their next war movie. And they're like, all right, Tom. No, he's right. I don't see him as an officer. Yeah, I, I'd be, definitely be enlisted, man. <laughs> you do not have to salute Tom Sizemore. You do have to stand at parade rest. <laughs> So this is a very interesting article about the meteoric rise of type 1 diabetes among young people during the pandemic. Now, we've talked about diabetes before on this show a lot, actually. There's type 2, which is, you know, somewhat considered acquired. That's usually a lifestyle issue, though there is a lot of genetic predisposition for that. But that is usually one in which you are not working out enough. You're, you become basically insulin resistant. Your body stops producing it regularly and you have to kind of moderate your diet or add insulin to it in order to, to kind of live your life. Type 1 is the type we've talked about before. It makes up a much smaller percentage. This is one where your immune system is essentially attacking certain cells in your pancreas that help you regulate uh, your sugar intake, and therefore it has nothing to do with being overweight and obese. In fact, most people who are diagnosed with this are of average weight or or good weight. Uh, oftentimes, they're younger people or adolescents, so you can get develop this later in life. Uh, but most of the time, it's younger people and in their adolescence, and they are of normal weight. They are not, you know, they do not have bad diets. It's literally an autoimmune thing, like no different than rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, uh, Bobby, uh, you summoned me earlier. Uh, uh, this is Ben Shapiro here, and uh, and logically, I have to agree with you. You're 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 a fellow warrior. 
uh, crusading right. against the female orgasm, the myth of the female yes. orgasm, because lo- which logically does not exist because uh, evolutionarily there's no purpose to a female orgasm. Um, Clitorises are the big foot of anatomy. <laughs> Uh, but I am going to disagree with you. This this is clearly uh, this is clearly uh, 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 type two diabetes that has gone woke and identifies as type one. Um, I see. This is but these these kids have been indoctrinated with with their body with their with their lizzos and their body positivity. Logically, logically, if you did this to kids, they are going to get a type of woke type two diabetes and then identify it as type one, and then we all have to walk around pretending that this type two. That this type one diabetes, which is clearly type two diabetes, so it's it's trans type diabetes, is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, and it's and it's a mental illness. It all it all comes down to a mental illness, and and I'm scared, and it, it affects the type of pornography. That I think I'm I think I'm masturbating to type one porno, uh, type one diabetes pornography, and it turns out it was type two diabetes the whole time. Now, what's interesting about type 1 diabetes is we're not 100% sure what causes it. There are some correlations between, like, age of the mother at birth and weight of the mother and, uh, you know, some genetic factors and stuff. But realistically, we don't actually have a solid grounding on what causes it. We do think there might be certain forms of it that are caused by specific infectious agents, possibly enterovirus, possibly some hepatitis viruses that then, you know, in certain percentages percentages of people, your immune system fights off that virus, but then starts fighting off your own cells thinking it is that virus or, or recognizes it kind of being part of that virus. So we've been seeing actually a steady increase of two to 4% per year of increased amounts of type one diabetes. And what ended up happening in the pandemic was crazy. In the first year, we saw a 14% increase. Now, again, now it's not like we would expect no increase. We expected two to 4%, but 14% was crazy. And in the second year, a 27% increase, which means like a tenfold increase in the amount of type one diabetes that we're seeing on an annual basis. This is fucking crazy. These numbers are insane. And They're caused by masks in schools, clearly, logically. <laughs> well, the, the, the question is, how could it possibly be accurate? What could be causing this type of insane increase. Now, the the first reaction would be, well, what about covid, right? Could is it could it be that the virus is attacking pancreatic cells and therefore causing this type of damage, you know, damaged pancreas. And so far, it really looks like that is not the case. All of our best studies seem to show that the infection while it can infect the brain and certain organs and all this stuff probably is not directly impacting those specific cells within the pancreas. However, that leaves us with a bunch of other possibilities. One is that it is COVID and COVID's infecting the body. And then in a certain percentage of these kids or young people, the immune system is fighting off COVID. And then similar to what we talked about with the possibility of enterovirus or hepatitis, it notes that that virus looks a certain way and that this cell looks kind of like it and therefore it attacks these cells. And therefore the COVID infection has a secondary effect of training your immune system to fight these cells. So that's one possibility. Autoimmune diseases are becoming up, becoming up big. Everything's autoimmune disease now. It's like uh, where everything's cake, but everything's not everything's <laughs> autoimmune disease. There, there is another possibility, and this is kind of interesting because this, this is a, a fact we knew before COVID that kind of hints at what might be causing it. One of the interesting facts we knew is that 
Type 1 diabetes follows a certain annual pattern. It gets diagnosed more in the winter than in the summer, which also does seem to coincide with the possibility that in general, thinking pre-COVID, type 1 diabetes is dependent to some extent on outside infections because those respiratory infections tend to be more common, as we all know, in the winter. And so, you know, it would make more sense that you then would develop that type 1 diabetes more often in the winter. What's interesting about the COVID increases is they seem to be year round. They don't follow that same pattern, which is really, really interesting. And it might mean that, you know, maybe it's not COVID directly. Maybe it's not even COVID indirectly in that immune system way we were talking about, but maybe it is a factor like diet and exercise, which even though we think of as type two diabetes things, maybe it can also be an impactful part of type one diabetes diagnosis. And therefore having a bunch of kids not go out to school and sit at home and eat unhealthy food and not exercise caused, you know, more type one diabetes in the same way we'd think of type two. Maybe that's it. But there could be even another possibility that is to me super interesting and this kind of goes along uh, with that whole thing we saw with uh, if you guys remember the the hepatitis that was affecting kids around the world where all it was like fatal in a bunch of cases and a bunch of kids needed liver transplants and stuff and we couldn't figure out well, exactly kids what it party was nowadays too I think that we didn't really discuss <laughs> but like I've been drinking with a lot of kids at like uh, at high school parties uh, yeah. until I'm run out of town. And those kids can put it away. They're no longer nearly as impressed about your chugging. You know, they, they used to. <laughs> yeah, I tried Matthew McConaughey from fucking <laughs> Dazed and Confused. <laughs> Who, you didn't even go to this high school, man. Get the fuck out of here. But we talked about that that hepatitis case. Remember, it was like worldwide and stuff. And it turned out that the solution to that was it's a couple different viruses attacking at the same time. And we hadn't seen it before because before kids would get these viruses spread out. But because we were all isolated from one another for so long, when we came back together, they would they were more likely to get them at the same time. Well, it could be something like that. It could be something where a bunch of viruses attacking at the same time cause this immune response. Whereas if you were to get them at different times, they wouldn't have or or it could even be kind of like the hygiene hypothesis where by avoiding certain infections over certain periods of time in your life where you would normally be infected by them, your immune system being naive to these infections overreacts when it finally does see them. And therefore, the cleanliness, the not having been infected by things for two years causes the problems when you finally do get infected by them. Okay, um... Bobby, I shouldn't tell you this, but Lauren and I are trying to have kids. Uh, we're not letting my rancid sperm uh, can, uh, canonically uh, stop stop us. We're still trying. But let's just say, no, by no matter how bad it smells, yeah. Let's just say by some miracle that whatever Cthulhu God I keep praying to and leaving sacrifices for uh, allows Lauren and I to conceive a child. Could I notice what you said earlier about uh, this tends to happen in the winter? Could Lord yeah. and I outsmart this uh, diabetes devil by uh, just moving or at least sending our child to the Southern Hemisphere for the mm. winter? So you just constantly keep them in a state of summer at all times. Yes. They will, ne- they will, like, winter will be mythological to them. They will never have seen it. Well, maybe when they're old enough to understand the consequences of. <laughs> I mean, I would point out that we live in a place where our winter temperatures get down to like like 59 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're not exactly like I had to wear a sweatshirt a few times this year. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. 
but this is like this is just such a, a crazy increase. Fourteen percent the first year, twenty seven percent the second year. Who knows what it is that is causing this? But it does definitely seem to be affected by the pandemic. It will be really interesting to watch this mystery unravel because keep in mind, you know, these are numbers when we're talking about it on paper. You know, oh look, fourteen percent increase, twenty seven percent increase. But these are dramatic differences in the everyday lives of a significant number of people who, by the way, they're being diagnosed as adolescents. This is the rest of their lives that they're going to deal with this. And if we could crack this case, like let's say we do find out that, you know, X percentage is caused by enteroviruses or something like that. If we could crack that case and get a vaccine for that particular virus and then expose kids to it when they're young, I mean, it is conceivable that things like type 1 diabetes, much more so, I might add, than type 2 diabetes, could be something we solve. Like, this is not necessarily an unsolvable problem in the same sense that, you know... Well, why the fuck am I sending my kid to South America (laughs) for six months out of the year? I'm tired of this motherfucker coming home speaking Portuguese. (laughs) That's it. You're going to Australia next year, you little turd. You're coming back really tough. (laughs) But putting R's on the end of words that end in A, I don't agree with that either. (laughs) And never sure what is or is not a knife. Yeah, I sent my kid to Brazil. <laughs> sent my kid to Brazil, and he uh, he keeps coming back with cauliflower ear. I'm terrified of him. <laughs> Fucking terrified. Article number two: possible earthquake warning system developed. Uh, and we're not just talking about like bum knee. I'm not just like I don't have to like stare at the wildlife and see the exact mm. moment that they start running away or acting abnormally. It seems more and more that, like, a lot of those presumptions are false. Like, I don't know if that means, like, just, you know, someone, like, someone's dog acted weird one day and it they just so happened to be an earthquake and then, like, everybody put, you know, causation correlation together. But more and more it seems like a lot of those, like, animal things aren't as true or if they are, they're true to a degree that's like, oh, yeah, they flipped out eight seconds before the earthquake. And it's like, all right, they just felt the earthquake before you, asshole. I don't know. I'm pretty sensitive in my feet. Felt it before me? Eh. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge foot fetishist. So <laughs> I come with the slightest provocation, at the slightest stimuli to my tootsies. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and trust my feet, not the dog on this one. That's why you frequently go to the airport without a plane ticket just to ride back and forth on the moving walkway. <laughs> just like, ah! I have to wear a diaper, otherwise I get thrown out because it's I'm clearly ejaculating in my pants nonstop. <laughs> Frequently just standing next to construction sites with bulldozers and stuff. Like, oh yeah. You know, we mock, we might make fun of this guy, but like if, if that was me, if like I was able to if you were just that easily able to get like I'm depressed, I don't even like leaving the house, but if you told me I could like I could just come my pants uncontrollably by going down to the airport, which by the way is walkable distance for me. I mean, I don't want to, like, blow your mind here, but you could just come in your pants by walking down to the airport because there's a lot of stuff you can do at the airport. I mean, there's a few senators who could explain to you some of the things you can do at the airport. Listen, I mean, like, like, okay, let's just say, yeah, okay, the airport's legitimately awesome sexually. Okay, I'll give you that. But, like, it depends how wide your stance is, but yeah. <laughs> Let's just say I get Randy at home. Uh, I am, and also I fit the bill. I am a uh, anti. I am a homophobic governor. 
uh, from <laughs> hailing from a rural county. So I do fit the bill for somebody who would uh, be hypocritically fucking a dude in a public place. So <laughs> I forgot where I was going. I forgot. It was Lamar Alexander. I think that's who it was. <laughs> I was trying to remember who the fucking senator was. I forgot my joke. God damn it. So... Uh, obviously, earthquakes are the source of a tremendous amount of both fiscal damage and loss of life and injury and stuff like that, especially in places where they hit quite a bit. We're in Southern California. We get a lot of earthquakes, but we don't have nearly as much damage as even, you know, about six miles south of us. Uh, there's a lot more damage because of just construction standards. Where we are, there tends to not be masonry and unsupported block houses. And so because of that and the, the codes that we are built to, we tend to be okay during earthquakes. But, you know. It means I don't come nearly as hard during an earthquake, too, because I'm an, on such solid ground. Like if I was yeah. standing on sand, I'd just be shooting loads into buckets. Not just that, but you're also, you get turned on by danger. So, you know, like the knowledge <laughs> that your life is is in danger, that really gets you going. Yeah. It's, it's fight, flight, or come response. That's, <laughs> that's, that's right. typically... <laughs> uh, the old FFC. Uh, <laughs> Listen, be careful. That dog's going to be either really dangerous or really gross when you back him into a corner. <laughs> Uh, but if we could get a, an early warning system out, we could actually dramatically, dramatically improve the loss of life and the injury and actually substantially improve the loss of, of the fiscal loss as well. I mean, think about this. Most people haven't actually considered it. But when you think of earthquakes in terms of natural disasters, the knowledge that one is coming can almost eliminate the death rate. Like, think about this. Like, if you know a tornado is coming, all you can do is run the fuck away, right? There's not much you is can that do. What lightning can is? It... <laughs> is lightning is T tornado coming like ejaculating? <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Knew it. Yes. <laughs> lightning is a tornado in the men's room of the airport. That's exactly what's going on. Listen, you, I don't. I hate to tell this to you, science boy, but there's another word. Uh, coming has more than one meaning. Uh, I hate to break this to you. So when, when I mentioned ejaculate quite heavily for like 10 minutes at the start of this article, and then you keep using coming, it, the clean version of coming. This is on me. This is on me. But like, uh, think about it. If, if you knew, uh, you know, a, a hurricane was on its way, we do know hurricanes are on their way. You can't necessarily avoid them unless you completely leave the area. I mean, you're talking, you leave like a half a state area, you can avoid it. Tornadoes are the same way. We can tell that tornadoes are coming, but you don't know exactly where they are going to land. And so we have these early warning systems, but they don't necessarily save your life. Maybe you can get into a basement in time, maybe, but even then it's not always, you know, secured. But think about earthquakes. Earthquakes really only kill people when you're inside, when you're inside of structures, or at least really close to structures, and if you had a you warning live in system that was Turkey or Mexico or someplace that relies on masonry, but if you were honestly think about if you had like a ten minute even warning, much less an hour or something, 
it would kill almost nobody. Like, it may be stubborn people who stayed inside, but if you had a 10-minute warning saying there's a big-ass earthquake coming, all you have to do is walk outside and, like, I don't know, 40 feet away from structures and flagpoles, and you're fucking fine. Like, the house may collapse, whatever, but, like, you're you're fine. And furthermore, a lot of the damage that we see, both to humans, to property, the fires especially, that come post-earthquake come because of things like natural gas or electricity lines that get severed in the earthquake. So if you have a 10-minute warning and you can walk outside and shut off your gas and your electricity and, oh, by the way, your water, just to make sure you're not leaking all that water out— I mean, even if the house itself collapses, the damage that it would normally undertake, including a big fire going and burning all the the structures in the neighborhood that didn't fall down, wouldn't occur. You could essentially knock the death rate down to almost zero. You could knock the damage rate way, way down just by knowing it's coming. Okay, what if uh, you take that 10-minute early warning sign and use Mm -hmm. that to buy exorbitant earthquake insurance? And then you... (laughs) Or, for some reason, toilet paper. Right? Like, you start hoarding (laughs) toilet paper the second you hear about the earthquake. And there's a run on toilet paper because I'm an asshole. Also, gasoline. Oh, yeah, I filled up my entire trunk with gasoline. (laughs) Uh, I'm getting real light-headed while driving. So an early warning system for earthquakes has always been this like holy grail because it could do so much. If we had that ability to just tell even a little bit ahead of time, we could save a ton of lives. So this actually comes from some researchers looking at some very, very accurate GPS stations and the GPS movement of those stations two hours prior to earthquakes. Now, a couple of caveats to this. Most fault lines do not have super accurate GPS stations on them, and this was only able to be done looking retrospectively. So looking back at big earthquakes, then looking back at where these high accuracy GPS stations were on these faults, (laughs) knowing the direction of the fault slip, they were able to see very, very tiny movements in those two hours prior to the earthquake. So here's a quote from the article. They compiled records from GPS stations near the quakes that capture the movement of land every five minutes with an accuracy of a few millimeters. The result was more than 3,000 time series of motion in the 48-hour window leading up to the main ruptures. In the two hours before the earthquake, they found signs of increasing movement as if the faults were starting to slip ahead of the main rupture, end quote. Now, a couple of issues with this. As somebody who uses GPS a lot, uh, that type of accuracy within a few millimeters is something that is what we call survey-grade GPS accuracy, and it is incredibly difficult to attain. You need, like, the systems that do this are many tens of thousands of dollars. They have to be geo-referenced to a known point on Earth. They have to constantly be broadcasting. Like, there is... This is an intense amount of instrumentation to have at any given fault. Most faults on Earth don't have them. We couldn't put them there. They wouldn't have the infrastructure and facilities and known mapped points to be able to put them there. So, like, it's not like you could just take a box and set it out near a fault someplace tomorrow and do this. You would have to set up some infrastructure and have these type of GPS resources available and monitored at all times. Also, they knew the direction of the slip because they knew what the earthquake was and they were looking back at the data so you'd have to kind of be guessing which direction that slip was and have your gps set up ahead of time but if you could do this if you could figure out a way to give us a two 
hour warning before a major earthquake in situations like this, it would be a fucking game changer. It would take what is essentially a an immediate event, which we have like, I think we have like our best warning systems right now give us 10 seconds of warning. They're like basically deep geo phones or something. <laughs> it would take that and, and you could never do anything with that. You, it would take that and turn it into something that we could really legitimately get people out of danger for. I mean, you could have something like an Amber alert on your phone of everybody at a given area that was like, get the fuck out of inside of a building right now, go stand in the middle of the street. We're about to get a 7.5 and man, that would, I mean, I don't, you would have to like have slept through the warning and all your friends did too, with that kind of two hour notice for you to then die from that earthquake. I feel like the Amber alert system has been abused. So like once my phone starts making noise, I'm just going to like try to get mad at my phone and not even check it. You're angry at all of those young children that you uh, couldn't save? or I'm what? trying to watch pornography on my phone, and a fucking Amber <laughs> Alert came on. I'm at home. My, my, I'm not on the freeway. I can't track down this car. I'm just trying to bust a nut like, a, like, like, like my forefathers did, like the yeoman fathers of yeoman farmers of past have done. <laughs> They did it in airports too. It was just they, they were they were deserted airports because flight had not been invented yet. <laughs> a lot of creepy uh, natives were on the site for a long time, just because they knew one day this would be the airport, the cornerstone of the 18th century American town was the post office, <laughs> uh, the town square, and an unused airport awaiting heavier-than-air flight and just filled with frantically <laughs> masturbating men. <laughs> uh, ancient archaeologists actually thought this was a uh, an early rest stop. No. I could see the confusion. No. no. <laughs> this is not an early I mean, rest If you stop. think about it, Roman bathhouses were just airports in waiting. <laughs> Every Roman bathhouse lines up with an airport somewhere, an Italian airport somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's, it is unfortunate, though, with this early earthquake system, though, that it's, you know, the, it seems like it's just going to be useful for, like, you know, uh, us here on the West Coast, really. And I feel like, you know, natural disaster wise, you know, earthquakes aren't even the, the, the worst thing. And like wildfires are the worst by far. Are there like, like earthquakes are bullshit? Yes. Yeah, for us, but again, that's mitigated by the fact that we have certain construction standards. They are a big deal in other countries, yes. right? And so it is much easier to have an early earthquake warning system, even ones with all those advanced GPSs, than it is to rip down every building in a country that is in a fault area and rebuild them to higher standards. The second is essentially not going to happen. The first theoretically could. If we perfected this, we really could go to those places. Like you said, mentioned Turkey, places like Mexico, places like Nepal. We could go to those places and, and set these monitoring systems up and then set up a system like an Amber Alert type system to warn people once they came in because even in those impoverished countries cell phone ownership is essentially ubiquitous i'm surprised japan who you know uh yeah because of their their susceptibility to tsunamis uh hasn't invested in this technology do you think they haven't because that's the domain of godzilla and they don't want to invest in such expensive equipment in the you know in in a kingdom that's that not theirs insanely racist <laughs> given that earthquakes are as everyone knows Mothra's domain. <laughs> he, he, he flies. That piece yeah. of shit. 
Yeah, that's right. That's why he can cause earthquakes with no harm to himself. If Godzilla was causing earthquakes, he'd be falling over. Earthquakes are actually caused by your fat mama doing jump rope, Bobby. Uh, thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 669, where you learned all about how COVID brought us a diabetes mystery and how we might have just developed a possible early earthquake warning system. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 670. Diabetes? More like diabetes nuts. These nuts, baby! Woo! You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right.